Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome to First Presbyterian Church. It's good to see you. Thank you for being here today. This is really a special day. And I want to share with you just a, a, a moment of personal privilege. It was so interesting, and I will say so inspiring, to be sitting up here just a few seconds ago when the confirmation class, the members of that group, went out from these steps and went into the congregation and sat down among all of you. It was just one of those symbolic, subtle reminders that, that they are not just a class of students, but rather they are part of the body of Christ. They have now joined all of us as disciples in that great cloud of witnesses, and they are now a part of the, not just the church body, they've always been part of the church, but now they are part of that, that legion, that army, that, that core of people who are called out and who have embraced Jesus Christ's call, not only to be disciples, but to make disciples and to love Jesus Christ, to love one another and love this city. So just, can we again just, just say, let's celebrate our confirmants for just a second with another round of applause. If, if you've not learned this yet, since I became your senior pastor, I like clapping. So uh, even in church, our scripture reading from today, for today is from Mark's gospel. We've been studying Mark's gospel. And we're going to go back to a passage that right, right where we left off before Lent began. We're going back to Mark chapter two. This is one of my favorite stories in this gospel. And if you would read along as I read aloud, it's Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, it will be on the screen, it will be in your bulletins, and it is, is, of course, in your own Bible if you brought that with you. So Mark, chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. And when Jesus, had, when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them, and they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Oh Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amidst the changing words of our generation, speak to us your eternal word that does not change. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. I love this story in Mark's gospel because it's about four men who brought their crippled friend, their paralyzed friend, to meet Jesus. Jesus was teaching. And when they got to the house where he was teaching, the crowd was so big and so thick that they couldn't get their friend to Jesus. And so listen to what they did. Mark says that when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. I love that the scripture specifies that, there, that this was for men, because only men would come up with a plan like this. You don't have four women sitting around saying, whoa, whoa, whoa I've got it, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll go up on the roof and we'll cut a hole in the roof and we'll lower him down. That's it. And another one says, that's just crazy enough to work. Women don't work like that. They would have come up with something much more sensible and much less destructive. But you have to love the enthusiasm of these guys who were there who wanted to share this moment with their friend and who wanted to take him to Jesus. Wouldn't you love to have friends like that? Who would carry you? Who would brave any crowd or dig through any obstacle for you? Who would grab a corner of your bed and carry you to help? Wouldn't you love to have a friend like that? Have four friends like that? Here's another question. Wouldn't you love to be a friend like that? This is a story about four friends who cared enough to bring their friend to Jesus. He couldn't get to Jesus on his own. And so each one grabbed a corner of his bed and they carried him to the Lord. Let's take a closer look at this story. First of all, this is a story about a person in need. The paralyzed man is in need. Many people gathered that day and the story of the people suffering is one with which we are all well acquainted. People of all kinds were there. But I think that there's something symbolically significant about this particular ailment. This man was paralyzed. His paralysis made him unable to walk. He could not get to the place where the new teacher and the healer from Galilee was ministering to people. He was unable to help himself. He was paralyzed by his condition. How many people do you know who are paralyzed by some condition, by need or by guilt or by fear? Maybe you know somebody who's just got that deer in the headlights look and they seem unable to get the help they need. If we're honest, we would all have to admit that at some time in our lives, we have all been paralyzed. And we know others who have been emotional, or, or excuse me, who have been paralyzed by overwhelming need or stress or something like that. And we all know that paralysis can be physical, it can be emotional, and it can even be spiritual. But we do know this that paralysis freezes us, 
It locks us in place. It weighs us down and it traps us. This is a story about more than physical healing. This is a story about healing wounds that are deep and sometimes very old. And you know what? It's also about healing wounds that we can't even see. The kinds of wounds that people can't even see that paralyze us. I mean, yes, we may look great on the outside, and yet we may suffer debilitating, paralyzing wounds of guilt or abuse of sin that people cannot even see. So first we have a person who is paralyzed and in desperate need. Second, this is a story about a savior who can make a real difference in people's lives. Picture the scene. A crowd surrounding a house, a hole pulled up in the roof, a man lowered down by four friends, and Jesus teaching on the floor some feet below. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Isn't that an interesting thing to say? As if Jesus didn't even care about the man's physical needs. I can almost hear his friends saying from the roof above, no, no, teacher. It's his legs. We want you to fix his legs. Could you help him with his legs, not his sin? I mean, what was he doing? Well, all of these people had come to this house to hear him teach. And instead of just healing the paralyzed man, which he could have easily done, the master teacher decided to take this interruption and make it a teachable moment. Because Jesus wanted to teach them that he was so much more than a wandering teacher and faith healer. He wanted to show them that there was more to him than meets the eye. And that what they could not see was even more powerful than what they could see. And what's fascinating is that the critics played right into his hands. Look at verses six and seven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? It's as if Jesus set them up for just this moment. When they wondered, who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. Knowing what they were thinking, he said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? He said, let me make this clear, so that you know that I am the Son of Man and that I have the authority to do either or both. He turned to the paralyzed man and said, get up, Pick up your bed and go home. And the paralyzed man rose immediately and picked up his bed and went out before them all. In other words, Jesus was saying, in order to show you who I am, 
I'm going to heal something you can see to prove the authority that you cannot see. This miracle was not just a supernatural medical procedure. This is more than just a healing. This was a revelation. It is a sign pointing to the authority of God in Jesus Christ. In this moment, Jesus wanted to teach them that his power over what they can see is a sign that points to his authority over what they cannot see. And so Jesus healed this man the way he did, not just so that the present eyewitnesses would know, but so that everyone who hears this story would know. He did it so that we would know that he is the son of God and has the power to make a difference in our lives. You see, Jesus did not heal the paralyzed man so that he could walk. He healed the man so that we would follow. Make no mistake, this was a physical healing. A man who needed to be carried in on a stretcher walked away on his feet, on his own two feet. And yet, as awesome as it was, as much as that miracle changed his life, Jesus gave him an even more precious gift. He gave him the forgiveness of sins. The gift that we cannot see is even more precious than the gifts that we can see because it is the gift of eternal life and it is a gift, the gift, of a new relationship with the Father. This healing didn't last forever. The man probably died within 20 or 30 years of this miracle. But the forgiveness of his sins on the cross and communion with the Father has lasted him 2,000 years and counting. And even now, this man's life is just beginning because it's still a life that he lives in the presence of God. The Lord wa wanted them, and the Lord wanted us to know that the issues that we cannot see are even more important than what we can see. And he wanted us to know that the promises of God that we cannot see are bigger than the promises of the world that we can see. Our attention is so fixed on our present needs that too often we forget about the real gift that Jesus offers. We want Jesus to make our lives better. But Jesus came to give us a new life altogether. The old life is gone and a new life is begun. And Jesus used this teachable moment to declare that he has the authority not just to fix our legs, but to make a difference in our lives and our eternity. Jesus healed this man from the inside out and gave him eternal life and a new relationship with God the Father. And by his power over what is seen, 
He gives us hope for what is unseen. You know, Peter, one of the disciples who witnessed this miracle, would say many years later, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Peter came to understand that the unseen promise is even more powerful than the physical gift. Now, even though the connection between Jesus and the paralyzed man is the obvious center of this story, you can't get around the point that this story is about bringing somebody to Christ. What that means is that people, we, are a part of his plan. If it had not been for these four men, there would have been no story. Each one of them needed to hold up a corner of the man's bed so that that they could carry it. Four people carried a friend to Jesus. They took a person in need who could not move on his own to the one who could meet the need. That's what Jesus is calling all of us to do. It reminds me of one winter when we were living up north in Virginia. And one night as we were getting ready for supper, we got a call from one of our neighbors down the street. He was calling to tell us that our neighbor, Rex Bennett, a friend and a retired Baptist preacher, had to go to Charlottesville the next day for a cancer treatment. And that like everybody else, his driveway, his, his car were all snowed in. And my friend wanted us to meet in front of Rex's house to shovel off the driveway. And what hit me when he said that was to this group of people was that This group of assembled neighbors was there to help him get to the doctor. He said, we've got to help Rex get to the doctor, so start digging. And that's exactly what the paralyzed man's four friends did for him. They did what they had to do to get him to the healer. I want to say one more thing that was not originally part of my sermon, but I believe that it was a word that the Lord gave to me last night. This story is a beautiful vision of unity. What if this is a parable for the church in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis? In this story, the church is the patient, the paralyzed man. He has four friends, all of whom want to help, But what if those four friends started arguing over directions? Which way they would get him there? I demand to go this way. And another says, I demand that we go that way. And what if others started yelling to the others saying, you're going too fast or you're moving too slowly? What if they were all trying to pull in different directions? What if they got so angry about what to do and how to do it that they just quit and let go of their corners or tried to overpower everybody else. What happens to the church when we all try to pull in different directions with our own agendas and our own pace? We either don't move at all, or we fall apart, or we leave one another behind. The 
But this story is about four friends, united in love for their friend, and united in their trust of Jesus. Four friends, all headed in the same direction, at the same pace. They held up their corners. They carried a friend to Jesus. They took the person in need to the one who could meet that need. But to carry him to Jesus, they had to hold on with both hands. One hand is love. The other hand is trust. They loved their friend and they trusted Jesus. And they loved and trusted one another. For whatever reason, they believed that Jesus had the power to heal their friend. And they were so excited about helping their friend that when the crowd was an obstacle to them, they just went over the crowd's heads and made a hole in the roof and lowered their friend through it. Now, I think that this story is at the beginning of Mark's gospel because this is what the ministry of Jesus is all about. This is what discipleship is all about. It's about carrying people in need to the Savior who can make a difference in their lives. To you, the members of the congregation, you have just had 30 young people who have made their profession of faith to be disciples. Guess what? Every single one of them needs four friends. People who will invest in them, people who will love them, people who will, who will believe in them, people who will pray for them, people who invest in them, people who will cheer for them and suffer with them and believe in them. I may have said that twice, that's okay. But this is also a word to you, the confirmation class. You all are the ones in school with one another. You're there on the front lines with one another. You are the ones who've been placed around one another to help carry each other. And every single one of you not only needs a friend, but you need to be a friend to your brothers and sisters who stood up with you and those among whom you are sitting now. We cannot do this alone. But I also want to say one last thing to the confirmation class and to everyone in this room. Every single one of us has a friend who needs help and a savior that can help him. You and I all know people who need the healing power of Christ. You and I all know people who need his church right this very minute. And so this begs the question, you may believe in Jesus enough to trust him with your own life, but you trust him enough to tell your friend to trust him with his or her life. Members of your family, customers, clients, coworkers, friends, do you trust Jesus enough to recommend him to a friend, to carry that person there? Is your faith strong enough, visible enough, generous enough to carry someone to Jesus? I'm telling you right now, you have somebody in your life who is paralyzed and they need you. Not just you, they need three other people. They need some others, but as I look around this room, there are a lot of people in here, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can help you bring your friend, carry your friend to Jesus. 
I love that in this story, these men were so excited about helping their friend that when the crowd was an obstacle to them, they just went over the crowd's heads and made a hole in the roof and lowered their friend through it. Wouldn't you love to be able to help the person that you love but is paralyzed with that kind of vigor, enthusiasm, and faith? Wouldn't you really love to carry that person to the healing power of Jesus Christ? You can. Let's pray. Loving God, we come together today because you have called us together. We are not to walk through this world or to stand as disciples alone. You have called us together, not just four friends, but a great cloud of witnesses to carry those in need to the Savior who can make a difference in their lives. Lord, help us to carry people forward, not just to the healing of things seen, but to the healing of things unseen and eternal. We pray all of these things in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.